2: To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
1: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff i Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. But today we're actually tackling something that... I tried to do a year ago. I started working on this outline a year ago and was so confused and torn about um, a lot of things that were happening in my life and uh, this whole idea of what we're talking about today, forgiveness. Right. So it's been sitting in our folder for over a year.
2: Yeah, it's been there since I've even started.
1: Yeah. um, I would like start on it and then get frustrated and go away from it, but it has been on my mind a lot lately, and we did want to talk about forgiveness today, especially since we're in this, the holiday season as we record it, and it's supposed to be purportedly a time of forgiveness.
2: Oh, I thought that's just when you tell people things, you know, like the love actually bit. Oh, God, don't yeah. talk to
1: me about love actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really don't know that much about love actually, <laughs> other than Alan Rickman was a cheater. So yeah, sorry, they spoilers. all are
2: supposed to <laughs> confess. Uh, Whatever their truths are, and you yeah, know, you're supposed okay. to be honest. Okay, that's where the whole like signage, right? right, right where he right. holds a sign to be like, Hey, yeah. I know you're married to my best friend, but hey,
1: I love, I love you. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talked about that forever ago, and we actually got a lot of response. People have strong opinions about that movie, they do. Yeah, I like it. Apparently, a lot of people do like pas. it. No, <laughs> you know, as long as you can recognize some problematic things, that's fine. With all, all of romantic our comedies. Yeah, oh, true. Uh, later episode. But for this one, trigger warning before we get started for brief mentions of rape and sexual assault and domestic violence. But very brief, we're just going to talk about how that can play into forgiveness. And I'm someone who I've discovered is terrible at forgiveness. Um, I have a huge tolerance. You can do a lot of things before I say, you know what? You've done enough. Right. And then I, like, wipe my hands of you. I cannot forgive you. Um, And so I have never actually been to the point of granting forgiveness. Um, And I am at the point now where I I do want to. I'm in the stage that I want to. But I have an emotional block around it. Like, even if mentally I think, you know what? I'm okay. I want to move on there's something that I can't let go of emotionally. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I am. Um, And and a year ago, I I was running on the Beltline, which is one of my favorite things, and the song It's Quiet Uptown from Hamilton came on. If you've never heard that song, um, it's about Hamilton and his wife Eliza um, and the idea of forgiveness because he cheated on her, and I know a lot of people are going to write in that we didn't mention that in our political scandal episode. It's been talked about a lot, but if you guys want us to talk about it, I happily, happily will. I love Hamilton. (laughs) But anyway, um, I've heard that song hundreds of times, probably not even an exaggeration, hundred times. But that time, something about it stopped me in my tracks, and I started crying um, because of this idea of forgiveness and the power of it, and something just clicked. Um, And it's ever since then, it's just kind of been in the back of my brain. And I do want to say before we get into this, Forgiveness is deeply, deeply, deeply personal. We are not in the business of telling anyone that they should forgive someone, and no one else should be either. Um, There's a long history of women being gaslighted to forgive um, or that concept of forgiveness being weaponized against women, and we are going to touch on that. Mm. But I just want to say I think forgiveness has gotten wrapped up in it's a good thing to do, and therefore you should do it. There are benefits to it, but you really don't have to if you don't want to. Right. And in fact, doing so can be detrimental. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's start with some basics. From the Greater Good magazine, psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. And that's key because I used to get myself in an unhealthy logic trap of deserve, Mm -hmm. whether or not the person deserved it. But it's not about them um, and what they do or do not deserve. It is about you and what you want, which is actually a great segue into what forgiveness isn't. It does not mean forgetting or minimizing or excusing or condoning. It does not mean reconciliation or accepting continued wrongdoing, and it doesn't free the other party from being accountable to the law. It is about letting go of negative emotions that the forgiver wants to let go. Mm -hmm. Self-forgiveness can also be extremely liberating. Extremely,
2: yeah. And confusing forgiveness and reconciliation is common and inaccurate. Waiting for someone else to reconcile is disempowering. And some things can't be paid back. It cannot be reconciled. Equating forgiveness with reconciliation would trap someone in that situation in a disruptive state of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is also not the only path closure and moving on. Forgiving when you're not ready is really detrimental. And forgiveness is generally understood to hinge on two pieces of information, relationship value of the wrongdoer and probability of future wrongdoings. And
1: our culture seems to be completely torn when it comes to forgiveness. I, I mean, I've seen it as being foolish or weak, submissive. I've seen it on the opposite end being called something like your duty. Mm. It's wrapped up in religion and philosophy in some cases, in relationships and politics. At times we may feel pressure from other people to forgive because it's the right thing to do, in quotes, that it would that doing so would make you a good person. And at the same time, we have so many sayings about forgiveness. To err is to be human, to forgive is divine, mm-hmm. to understand all is to forgive all. Um, it just seems we're all very conflicted about this idea of forgiveness. A study conducted by psychologist Charlotte van Oyen-Vitvelit found that asking participants to remember an instance when someone had offended, hurt, or mistreated them resulted in a whole range of physical responses from increased heart rate, blood pressure, muscle tension, and sweating. People described the experience as unpleasant. It made them angry. It made them sad. It made them feel like they had less control. When they were asked to imagine forgiving their offender, these physical responses relaxed, A survey of 1,500 Americans about how much they practice forgiveness revealed that middle-aged and older people forgave at higher rates when compared to their younger counterparts. And the researchers found a relationship between forgiveness and increased mental health in older respondents. Hmm.
2: So grudges have been linked with increased risk of cardiovascular disease and in various ways can compromise our immune systems. Grudges can impact future relationships and diminish your ability to enjoy the present. Forgiveness is important in terms of emotional disengaging from trauma. Forgiving
1: is often emotional and painful. A 2016 study divided a group of 135 students who had recently experienced bullying into three scenario groups, forgiveness, revenge, and avoidance. The researchers found that both the forgiveness and avoidance groups didn't feel stronger, but they did experience a decrease in negative emotions during the course of the experiment. The revenge group felt a decrease in empowerment, ability to cope, and self-esteem. However, The forgiveness group experienced the most stress. This seems to demonstrate just how difficult and stressful that the act of forgiveness is and that healing takes time. Forgiveness may be better in the long run, but in the short term, it's more painful than avoidance or revenge. The researchers suggested that perhaps a mixed approach is best. Avoidance until long enough time has passed, distance has passed, then should you so desire forgiveness. Isn't that smart?
2: Another study found that in the context of relationships, people who are more likely to pursue revenge instead of forgiveness are more likely to go through negative consequences and conflict. Ultimately, the takeaway was it's really beneficial to have tools and strategies ready to deal with the rough times. One of these things can be forgiveness. An analysis of 17 studies around relationships and forgiveness found that after the betrayal of a partner, the relationship goals often change, becoming more about evening the score, winning arguments, and other competitive things like that. So forgiveness is suggested as a way to return to more balanced relationship.
1: Yeah, and again... We're not telling anybody to forgive if they don't want to. And, of course, people are complicated. Some researchers suggest people that are generally happier um, can more easily forgive and report higher levels of happiness. When people are feeling better about their transgressor, like after an apology or some type of um, physical restitution, they usually experience a decrease in physical arousal, meaning, like, symptoms Um high blood pressure and stuff like that, which makes them more likely to forgive. However, we know abusers use this to continue cycles of abuse. So, also something to keep an eye on.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a manipulative tactic. Other studies have found decreased stress levels and positive health benefits just when adopting a forgiving attitude. Since stress has a cumulative effect, these benefits were more pronounced in older folks. Some studies suggest that the part of the brain associated
1: with forgiveness is the limbic system, not the part of the brain associated with reasoned judgment as previously thought. The act of forgiveness has long been thought to be an emotional one, and it is, but recent studies indicate it is a cognitive one as well. Therefore, experts recommend cognitive reframing if you're looking to forgive. Evolutionarily, revenge (laughs) is easier than forgiveness. The easiest way to deal with someone who would harm you is to avoid them or to hit back. According to psychologists, revenge is unique in that it is motivated by hate, which makes it different than anger, and the belief that just by existing, someone is doing you harm. Revenge is often disproportionate to the original act that inspired the
2: revenge. That's so many movies. I know, I was about
1: to say, I had to write a paper on this, in French, um, in college, about how why is it most of our action movies start with the main character's right. wife getting murdered, and then he kills everyone everywhere, right. and it's like so violent
2: and over the top. Oh, I was about to talk about. Never mind, because <laughs> it's too many. Because there was like I was thinking about the Joker, yeah, um, but I don't want to say anything that could be a spoiler for those who haven't seen it or want to see it. All of that, but yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a. I think everybody knows that there's always a backstory. There's all and like the, the creation of Batman alone. We know that backstory, right? But his revenge is.
1: I have to say, um, I get the appeal of revenge stories, but they do make me kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like it's something about them has always sort of unsettled me. Yeah, they're dark. I guess they're very dark. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
2: Yeah. Um, so. Let's talk about the how to forgive, right? Psychologist Robert Enright proposed that forgiveness has four steps, recognizing the anger, deciding to forgive, building up compassion for the wrongdoer, and then letting go of negative emotions. Being specific really helps. You can only really forgive for what people have done to you. Yeah, and reading that was helpful for me because the example
1: they gave is if you were as a child, you witnessed your, say, father abuse your mother. Mm -hmm. You can't forgive him for doing that. You can forgive him for the pain and fear and just hurt that he right. caused you, but it has to be specific to what happened right. to you.
2: So if you are the abused, yes. you are the one to forgive.
1: Right. Yeah. It's a bit different when it comes to forgiving yourself. Self-forgiveness, accepting responsibility is important, but holding on to shame and guilt for too long isn't helpful. The first step is similar, recognizing that you're in the wrong and your actions caused pain. Then you dig a bit deeper, identifying why it happened and what was um, in your control and what wasn't in your control, pinpoint lessons you learned and how you can avoid a similar situation in the future. When you've taken these steps, forgive yourself aloud or on paper. Then if another party is involved, apologize. Uh, We're going to get more into apology later. Um, But You apologize genuinely and not expecting anything from the other person. um, And then take steps to make things right. If you're looking to forgive but struggling, there are support groups and counseling out there that can help. Some other tips are practicing empathy, reflecting on times you've hurt others and um, what was going on in your head when you did. Write in your journal. If you have a journal, if you don't, I I recommend getting one. Um, Or meditation also. If you can't forgive, um, patience. Be patient. It is hard and
2: it takes time. Yeah. And again, we're not saying that you have to. This is completely based on you. And also if, and this is a big if, the wrongdoer shows no signs of changing. It is toxic. It is an unhealthy relationship and it will always be unhealthy.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. Distance from someone like that. You can still forgive if you would like to, but distance is key. That person will keep hurting you. Just
2: because you're Forgiving doesn't mean you have to repeat the yeah. harm that's happening to you. Yes, exactly. Um,
1: and we did want to look specifically at um, some, some studies around women and forgiveness. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
2: Can
0: I rant for a sec? Please.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Okay, so there actually have been a lot of studies looking into this. Um, one of them is from 2011. It's a study from the University of the Basque Country, and it looked into gender differences in forgiveness. And the study found that women are better at forgiving. Um, the study authors suspect that women are more empathetic than men. That was one of the reasons they gave, which is key when it comes to forgiveness. Women, especially older women, seem to reap more of the benefits of forgiveness as well. Even women who reported feeling that they themselves were unforgiven, they also felt those benefits.
2: I think holding on to things is just tiring. That's what I've learned as I'm getting older. I'm like, (laughs) oh, God, I'm just tired of being angry at you. Yeah. Um, So one study showed that forgiveness can make men feel weak and that more forgiving men suffer from higher levels of depression as compared to less forgiving men. Self-forgiving men fared better, but forgiving others didn't show the same positive link. The scientists behind the study believe that because forgiveness is seen as a more feminine thing, it is painted as weak. And in general, for a variety of reasons, men are less forgiving than women. When it comes to sexual
1: abuse against women, there are a lot of misconceptions that to forgive means that you don't report sexual assault, or that if you do, you haven't forgiven the person, or that forgiving someone means that you're totally cool with them. None of these things are true, and pressuring women to forgive an abuser who is unrepetent and still in their lives is dangerous. Sharon Lamb's essay, Women, Abuse, and Forgiveness, A Special Case, argues that women are a special class of victims and possible forgivers and that women, quote, may have some particular reasons not to forgive. And she goes on to ask, "'Why is it that we have so much trouble with the woman who will not forgive?' janice hawkins essay the good the bad and the ugly psychoanalytic and cultural perspectives on forgiveness also digs into the feminism of forgiveness and goes out of her way to make the point that forgiveness is neither good or bad she writes as oppressed groups gain the strength to speak up and claim new rights including their right to disengage from abusive relationships the powerful rediscover the salutary virtue of forgiveness basically forgiveness benefits them for hurting other people right Um, And this brings us to gaslighting. (laughs) Women are frequently made to feel guilty if they don't forgive. Scorned, bitter, cold, these are ways to stigmatize unforgiving women and pressure them to forgive. It's another way of dismissing women as emotional and invalidating their probably completely legitimate Mm -hmm. reactions. It flips the story so that the woman is to blame. She's just bitter, overreacting, irrational, sensitive, drama queen, petty. It is on her. Um, Any negative emotions she's experiencing are her fault. She should be the better person and forgive. Again, forgiving or not forgiving, it's a choice. Very personal one.
2: Yeah. So we've seen examples with the Kavanaugh case in itself. They're like it's so long ago. He was yeah. just a kid. Right. Why can't you let that go? You're just being petty. Right. It's so absurd that they're that more likely to call her names rather than keep accountability for those who were responsible for the action.
1: Yeah, yeah totally. Um, when Selma Hayek wrote um, in the New York Times about her reasons for not speaking up about Harvey Weinstein's sexual harassment one of the reasons she gave was that she was proud of her capacity for forgiveness and and this, this essay was when she was sort of being like this is why I didn't do it and I know that these are, I should have, or I not should have. But it was her looking back on why she didn't report. And that makes
2: perfect sense. Yeah. So some arguments put forth that for some women trying to distance themselves from the angry feminist stereotype they might be more forgiving, which, we you know, that's always a really bad negative. And a similar argument can and has been made that black people are asked and expected to forgive white races without ever getting so much as an apology or even recognition, which we can talk about with um, the slavery and just people being like, why do you keep bringing that up? Yep. And it's like, what the hell, y'all? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yep. Why? Because it's important and we need to acknowledge the trauma that it has caused and it still continues to cause. So... Let's talk about religion, yeah. because I think that's one of the big things where we talk about forgiveness. Yes. There are 62 passages in the Bible that include the word forgive, and then there's 27 passages that contain the word forgiveness. That is a lot. That's a very lot. Some
1: religions do connect forgiveness with being a good person, especially for women. There have been multiple instances of numerous women reporting sexual abuse by church leaders to other church leaders and being told they must forgive. To get into heaven. And by forgive, they meant don't tell anybody. Right. In some interpretations of Christianity, people can't forgive at all. Only God can forgive. Um, so there's a lot going on. There, there are a lot of pressures here
2: around this idea
1: of forgiveness.
2: I don't think it's just the old idea in itself forgiveness and what it's supposed to do and it is kind of absolving people who have committed sins essentially Mm -hmm. and i think it is a good balance to understand what is right for you yes yes um
1: and we do have a little bit more about that uh but first we have one more quick break for word from our sponsor Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an
2: adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands.
1: So I guess one of the biggest takeaways for me is that I am going to reframe how I think about forgiveness. I'm going to make it all about me because um, in this case, I am the wronged. <laughs> um, and um, I'm just going to think of it almost like it has nothing to do with the other person. Right. Um, if you are the one seeking forgiveness, um, which can mean just apologizing and leaving the other person the hell alone, make it all about them. Um, and yeah, a few situations are so black and white. It's been, for me, everybody has such a specific story and it's complex in its own way. Um, so it's hard to give really good, specific advice. Right. But here are some general ideas that might help. And, and a quick note about how to apologize. Um, a good apology can open up a dialogue and is the beginnings of reestablishing trust, or it can be. It entails um, that you show remorse, you acknowledge that you caused hurt, it has to be sincere and not flip it around to make it the other person's fault. Like, it was just a joke, I'm sorry you felt hurt. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, sins when it comes to apologies is that you make excuses, and I've done it too. Um, You make excuses for your behavior and make it like the other person was overreacting. Right, so
2: if you're apologizing with a but... Yes, don't do that. Or if you're apologizing, I'm sorry, you... Right. The you statements, go ahead and stop.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's better, a a short apology is better than (laughs) any kind of long-winded, here's my excuse. Um, A good apology also involves making amends, providing something actionable to show you're serious, Um, putting yourself in the other person's shoes, and... Honestly, trying to understand why they were hurt. Um, then offer steps to make sure that whatever it was doesn't happen again. Um, yes, do not do not make it about you. Apologies, also got to be said, are sometimes hurtful and unwelcome. So if you're doing it to make yourself feel better, that is not a good apology. And also, remember, impact matters more than intention. I think a lot of people get caught in that, that trap as well. Um, and I can and have written a paper on this, my infamous essay about doing the dishes. It was about a lot more than that, but I used the dishes as a case study. Nice. I really don't like doing dishes. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really don't. Um, and then I've, I've kind of noticed in my life, I feel like some people blame me for things, and I'm not sure what they are. Um, so it's hard to... Apologize or I'm not even sure that I need to apologize But this is a time when I need to remember all of the episodes where we have sung the praises of
2: communication Yes, always talk to each other. Yep. When one of Bill Cosby's alleged victims was asked by Anderson Cooper Can you forgive something like this? Her response was I forgave Bill Cosby years ago for me When you hold on to resentment for someone like that, it's not hurting them. It's only hurting you And I think that's very valid um, for all of us, I think I felt the same way, and I'm sure you have too, when you have been a victim from someone that you may never see again. Yeah. That you have to forgive. Maybe not even just forgive, but let it go. Yeah. And that's the best you can do for yourself.
1: Yeah. Um, I think this recently, it came up in one of my therapy sessions lately, and she she said, there's a quote, like, not forgiving is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die Mm -hmm. or not, not forgiving, but not letting go. Mm -hmm. Um, Because yeah, they probably, in some cases, at least they don't care. It's not anything to them. Right. It is difficult though. It's easier said than done. We understand that. Absolutely. (laughs) And I still have questions around forgiveness. Um, I got caught up in this whole idea of some things may just truly be unforgivable. Um, but I do think I want to forgive. I think I'm in that stage. But before that, I, I can. I have to deal with a lot of the fallout that I've been, been avoiding for so long. I think that's the emotional block right. is that I've just been avoiding. Right. Um, and apparently, this is an idea that's been on my brain for a very long time because... One of the f- my favorite things I've written, the D&D character that I played to finish out the end of the story. I like that you were just having like She's
2: walking little... figure rings on across our uh, desk today. <laughs> She's a
1: miniature. I have many of her. Okay. okay. Um, it's all about um, forgiveness or not forgiving and revenge and redemption. And it's interesting to see how it's evolved as I've continued to write it. Hmm. Um, but that is about what we have to say. On forgiveness today we would love to hear from listeners any wisdoms truths or just stories they have about forgiveness or right. not forgiveness um, and we have heard from some listeners already that yeah. we would like to read here now Marie wrote, I was super excited when I saw you were doing spooky episodes for October, especially the female monsters episode. I just wanted to tell you about one of my favorite books, which not only features a badass monster eating primordial goddess, who very often refers to herself as a monster, as the protagonist, but she's also got a female romantic interest. The book is called The One Who Eats Monsters by Casey Matthews, and it's an incredible book. As a recently out lesbian, I've been trying to consume as much LGBTQ plus fiction as possible, mostly sci-fi fantasy literature involving lesbians. I've had to scour the internet and bookstores to get my fix, and I've noticed that there's definitely been an increase in the amount of representation in fiction, especially among protagonists. Anyway, I just want to tell you all about my favorite book. I'd love it if you did an episode on queer literature or badass lesbians in literature. We would love that too. Yeah. And one of the reasons definitely. I wanted to read this is... Listeners, if you've got some examples, send them our way. Uh, I definitely have some I could contribute as well. And then we have a letter from Marissa, my friend Marissa.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to out you like that. No, no, no. (laughs)
1: But uh, she wrote this, um, and I responded like I do to any listener as if I didn't know her. So I hope you enjoyed that, Marissa. She wrote, I have to throw my two cents in on my experience with the opioid crisis. First, my background is a traveling ER nurse. At this point in my career, I've worked in six different states, Georgia, Massachusetts, California, Alaska, Colorado, and Maine. As a medical professional in the trenches of this opioid epidemic, I can assure you this is truly a problem everywhere. However, there is one ER assignment that stands out. This community was being devastated by heroin. Every night, we had at least a handful of ODs overdoses. This was a big 75-bed ER. Narcan had to be so readily available that there were internasal Narcan rapid response boxes installed on the walls in strategic locations all around the ER. For instance, they had a box in triage due to so many people being dropped off in front with ODs not breathing. All of the police, firefighters, and EMs carried Narcan and knew how to use it. I would like to share a little Narcan knowledge with you. First, you must know what a drug half-life is. The time it takes the drug concentration to reach 50% less than the starting dose in the body. I don't want to get too technical, but essentially heroin works longer than the antidote Narcan, Naloxone. Narcan brings them out of their high fast, and many times these slumped-over lifeless ODs would reanimate rather violently and combatively. It's hard to rationalize with an addict who's come violently out of their high to stay the recommended four hours after Narcan. So essentially, I'm trying to let anyone out there that has to administer Narcan know to keep watching your friend or loved one. The half-life of Narcan is shorter than that of heroin. So essentially, you can be revived from the brink of an OD death, but if you leave too soon or are not watched, can get into the same situation again. The drug wave could still crash over you and take you under, so continue to watch someone for several hours after administering Narcan. Also, Narcan naloxone emergency kits are available at almost every pharmacy without a prescription. If you're using, please have the safety plan in place. Go to your nearest pharmacy and get an emergency kit. Make sure those around you while you're using know where the Narcan is and how to use it call 911 if the person is not breathing. Those that have allergy reactions carry EpiPens, epinephrine. If you're using, you should carry Narcan. Safe practice is all I want to preach. Keep everything clean and have a safety plan. Enough people have died. This epidemic is destroying families. Please don't let it take your life.
2: Mm, wow, that's a lot of good
1: information. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So, thanks um Marissa for First sharing. Of all, fighting. Yeah, the good fight as a nurse. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and thanks for writing in, taking the time and sharing that knowledge. And we would love to hear from other listeners. Um, thanks to these two for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Yay! Yay! And thanks to you for listening. Steph Owner told you the production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be
2: boring